Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Monday Evening and Blog Talk Radio's brand new fabulous show with Peter and I. Uh, my name is Dawn Wright Oliveris, and I am very excited to be here. And, and uh, actually, it's Dawn Wright DeBrant, but I'm getting used to that. Um, talk about creating my own utopia. Very happy, happy, happy. Peter Mingles, are you with me? Peter's here. Peter, are you happy? I showed up. I'm not sure yet. Cause <laughs> we're going to be talking about utopia, and I could tell you where it wasn't. So it wasn't in the Walmart parking lot <laughs> a few minutes before I got on this call. <laughs> Definitely no utopia at Walmart. <laughs> I, I know it was not there. <laughs> got it. <laughs> no. You know, and, and that's actually a really good place for us to start because, you know, uh, there's a lot of places utopia isn't, you know, and I think most people choose to go ahead and get involved and create their own utopia and their own liberty and their own world and financial reality and economy because they're not exactly living in utopia right now. I guess. I think so. And I can promise you that every person who's punching keys at a Walmart register is wishing that they were sitting at home listening to a talk radio show over where they are right now. That's right. You know, um, I, I took a picture today and I sent it up on, on Instagram, which is my new favorite little thing to do. I get to take a picture and push a button, and I learned what a hashtag could do for me. And uh, it, and I, I just take one picture every day from my iPhone because I, I love photography and I think it speaks volumes. And today I I actually have uh i because i work all the time you know this right and i live in the middle of nowhere and i do that on purpose and when we got back in the country a few years back alex and i were talking and i said you know i don't care where i live as long as where i sit and i work i look out and see natural beauty you know um i'm not a live in new york city girl i love to visit the city i used to have an apartment in the city but every Friday when I would hop the train and get in the car and be pulling into Connecticut and the trees and the natural silence and the stars and and just the exquisite natural beauty has always been my utopia. Like I have to either I have to be by water of some kind and living in Arkansas, landlocked, that's you know, that's either ponds or rivers. And um I have to be able to see the water and I have to be able to hear it. So if I can't get natural, I go for fountains. <laughs> it has to be running water. I don't care if it's battery operated. <laughs> and uh, and and it's it's interesting. So what I did was I took a picture of what I sit and look at from my desk. So even when I'm crazy, and it's stressful, and I'm going absolutely nuts with my life and my work, um, I I have created my own utopia. I have done that. And I hear you. So I guess I think utopia, to a certain extent, for most of us, at least at me, is kind of like a state of mind. So I can share with you a little bit about my definition, although it's not a good working definition maybe for this call, but we're going to just kind of review the, the concept that it might be a state of mind. Because sometimes you do find yourself in like cities like New York, and you are on that crowded bus, and you have that person who's rubbing his leg against yours perhaps while you're on that crowded bus. So the, so the reality is, is what do you do? Well, I have uh, my own version, I think, of that. So I think it's kind of like in the mind of the 
person there. It's wherever you wherever you decided to be. But I'll never forget when my dad was dying. I was visiting my mom and my brother in New York, where he is. And Vincent's, Vincent's my brother. His little kids were like, Uncle Peter, Uncle Peter, let's go play. And I made up this thing with them because it was kind of like really tough. The little kids don't know what's going on. I know what's going on. I was mentally drained and all that sort of stuff. So I said, come on, let's go down in the basement and we'll go play big time. Now, big time for me was just kind of like an expression. But when we said, let's go downstairs and play big time, they didn't know what big time was. And we just had fun. You know, we just kind of went downstairs and we had fun. So my aunt came over one day, and she said, what are these kids asking for? They want to go play big time. And what's big time? And I said, to, now my aunt is really like, she could be my cousin. She, we're close in age. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, big time is a state of mind. Like, mm-hmm. it's a state of mind. And I really think you could be in your version of utopia. Like, you might call, I might call it big time relative to playing with the young kids, but I really do think it's kind of like a mental decision that you kind of decide on what's relative to you at that time. So I know everybody probably has their own version. You probably have a version of what that might mean socially. You probably have a version of what that you might mean in your business on what you're going to do for the next, you know, next couple of hours. So for me, it's more of a mental state than anything else. It's an arrival place you go to, and chances are, especially if you're busy, I've, grew up, I've grown up in uh, the type of environments that always move very fast, so lots of things are happening. We're touching the lives of lots of different types of people at all given times. For me, many, many times, it's really just a state of being as well as a, a physical space as well. So I know that I get a chance sometimes to go jump out to that physical utopia, which might be by the beach, watching some birds diving, you know, just hearing the waves crashing or just being around it. But then there's a business utopia as well when everything seems to be going right in business. So I guess everybody, Don kind of like has their own state of mind. So I'll let you continue because, like I said, I I would totally agree with that. And, you know, I put a little something-something up on on the blog for tonight because I thought, okay, this whole series, this whole week, and the concept of creating your own utopia, I was talking to Susie, my daughter. And uh, and it's interesting because, you know, when when I did a bunch of the personal development stuff that I've done, they had us um, in this one exercise sit down with a box of Crayola crayons and a poster board. And the reason that they had us do this is because it unlocks the inner child. And so many times we get so wrapped up in all of our grown-up worries and our grown-up shoulds and shouldn'ts and, and what the world it looks like according to Dawn, the grown-up, has nothing whatsoever to do with what my utopia would be, what my inner child could dream up if my 40-something version of Dawn wasn't giving all the reasons I couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't have those things, you know? So what they had us do was sit down with this poster board and crayons, and we needed to come up with our goals pictorially. We needed to come up with our dreams that we were setting before us, because this was a 90-day goal-setting course, and it's called Pace Setters and Leadership Dynamics. And so 30-some-odd people had to create their own goals, and they had to say what their group goals were, 
And every single person in that 30-plus people had to get every single solitary goal that we set before ourselves that we put on those poster boards Within that 90-day period, we had to accomplish everything. Everyone had to get every goal in order for the team to win. And um, it was probably one of the most challenging 90-day, I would say, really from the, like, if you put aside any major, you know, deaths in the family and, and you know, those types of things, it was it was probably one of the most psychologically and emotionally challenging 90-day periods I've ever had in my life. It was also like right up there in the top 90 most productive days I've ever had in my entire life if I look at what a group of people accomplished in those 90 days. And they all started with a box of Crayolas and some poster board. And it, it unlocked the child. It unlocked the childlike faith. And it stopped all of the yeah, da, 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 of why I can't go get those things that I want. Um, and so when Susie looked at me and said, create your own economy, huh? And I said, yeah, about last week's series. And she said, you know, we did this really cool thing in seventh grade about creating your own utopia. And I'm like, seventh grade, create your own utopia. That's cool. And it reminded me of, you know, the treasure maps and the the vision boards and the, that we, I mean, I, am, am I talking out of school here, Peter? You know oh, you're right vision. there. The only difference is you left out the grandkids because I had the Crayola bars, I had the Crayolas and the and the uh, poster board, and we were kind of coloring outside the lines for a couple of days. Just there you go. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I saved a lot of money on the seminar, and I worked with people that told more of the truth. So the reality was it was kind of an interesting thing, but I, de- I definitely kept, get what you mean by just kind of like just, Go back and just like kind of free your mind a little bit to see what's really possible and what might make you really happy. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm hoping that I can that I can grab Dan, who I'm I'm going and doing a workshop with this weekend, um, to come on board with us this week sometime. Because talk about somebody whose voice um, he actually uh, he actually recorded the 20 minute. Um, the it, it's in 20 minutes, Benjamin Franklin. He created this method that you can go ahead, and it's called the relaxation cycle. And Dan Dore is the voice of the relaxation cycle that I listen to on a CD um, every single day of my life for the past 10 years. And so uh, he's got a great voice, and he's got a lot of really neat tools on creating this kind of stuff because that that's all he does is teach about the concept and facilitate the the rule shall we say of to think is to create so um hopefully i'll be able to drag him on this week if we can grab him for a guest this week because i think it would be a really fun place for him to be in the create your own utopia space so if if any whoever is listening to me out there if you haven't like changed the channel going she's telling us to draw with crayons now i am telling you to draw with crayons now (laughs) i think it's critical that you get yourself some crayons and a piece of poster board it is um it is a very important exercise, and to go ahead and let your kid play, that inner child that is walking today because your head was too heavy and you kept smacking it into tables and you got up and you walked anyway, that child needs to come play with a box of crayons and remind you and remind me, because I'm going to do it too, what the little kid believes we can do. What's the dream? that that little kid, that little Dawn and that little Peter 
and whoever else, little Barb, and whoever else, Emma, and and Alex, and Andy, and all those people that are out there right now listening to the show, that they want to go and and dream and play and create in your life today. That's what I'm. That's the homework. I, I'm saying there's homework today. There we go. There we go. Well, it was kind of, you know, I, I playfully say that that's what I do with my little granddaughter. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd be old enough to have a granddaughter. And it was ever. kind of, in, yeah, ever. <laughs> like, like when we talk about things and how things shift, I think the older you get, the more levels of perspective you have and probably more the skid marks as well. So, you know, so kind of like life beats you up a little bit. So you have a different level of perspective. And what was interesting to you when you were, Younger probably be a little bit different from you when you were a little bit older. But I remember when I was younger, I kind of always said, I'll never have kids and I'll never get married. And, Mommy, I'll always live with you. And that didn't happen that way. <laughs> I wound up leaving eventually. And and um, and uh, although sometimes it does feel comforting to go back home, mm-hmm. um, but the, um, the reality was is I wound up getting married, of course, and having children, and now they define me. But I remember what my version of I thought was really happiness was when I was a younger boy and playing sports and frisbee and riding bikes and a little bit older and then having children and the differences now with having kids and then now taking care of a grandbaby as well and and having the privilege, for lack of a better expression, of being able to do the exercise that you were just referencing because I have the excuse, meaning the little baby, we can jump down on the floor and she says, we we I say, come on, let's go color baby. So she calls it color baby. So we get a chance <laughs> to go color baby. And that means Play big time and color baby. Play big time and color baby. And <laughs> if you were to ask me for where my version of utopia would be, it would certainly be with the freedom that happens when you ca- when you hang out with kids with kids that are not complicated. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot of fun. And it might be a superior it's not like a superior con conflict like I know more than you do at your age kind of thing but it's really just kind of neat that you can actually go out there and play and the creativity and just kind of letting loose of all the challenges that you usually have relative to running a regular business and like I said a little bit earlier we have a tendency of moving very fast in the things that we do and as a leader many times people bring us their issues so we don't always see that uh, innocent part of the world many times. Sometimes we're always faced with challenges. And just the ability to be able to gra- lay down on the floor and grab those little crayons and just allow the things to happen and free up in my mind kind of he- help separate me from the grind of the regular everyday business. So, you know, utopia, like I said, has a different perspective. Now, utopia for me relative to business is more the lines of that New York fast-paced, lots of stuff going on, Bing, bang, this is happening over here, and the hustle and the bustle and the greatness of all those types of things. So I have, I don't know if I'm schizophrenic or not, but I have a different version of utopia relative to whatever it might be. You know, utopia for me would be like many times when a sales guy finally closes his first one on his own, and he comes back and tells you how well that went. Or if someone went to go in a relative business, if they went to go sponsor or bring someone in or make their own sale, um, the excitement and the juices that start flowing. And then also on the same aspect, the, the, the concept of what a great learning experience as you went through, whatever, excuse me, I just had a sneeze, whatever you might have, what you think failed at and how exciting that is and, and the, the concept of how much you're going to grow from how much this really stinks kind of a thing. So 
I think really what it comes to for me is, and maybe for other people on the line, is going to be defining where utopia is at the moment for you. Because I know I have plenty of versions of utopia. And even when I'm in that Walmart parking lot or shopping line and things aren't going very well or things are going too slow and my time is all managed all over the place and I have 27 different things to do, how I could find beauty somewhere. So I'm always looking, I'm always searching, and it's always been there for me. So I'll kind of share with you a little story, Dawn, that happened with me one time. Now, I bet you, especially around this time during the day, there are some people who they're just getting home, they're, they're listening in, they got like hair flying all over the place. Chances are they just want to sit down, maybe just grab a bite to eat, wash up, do anything like that. And never forget, I went through a series of days one time, especially when I first moved down here, and things were really like a grind, and maybe things weren't going very well. And I don't remember all of the details, but I was kind of like a little bit in a funk. And when I was in that little bit of a funk, I went to run my errands, and I stopped off at a subway shop, and I was kind of self-absorbed as I was um, – uh, letting the gentleman put the different things on the sandwich that I had ordered. And I'll never forget this, and a gentleman taught me this, how I could change my perspective almost overnight or almost in an instant. It was, And I know I'm not going to use the politically correct term, so for all the people that are going to beat me up for the lack of the politically correct term, just give me a little bit of leeway here. Um, a gentleman, I was I was doing that thing over at the uh, at the subway counter, and a young man had kind of just walked in, and he was mentally slow. I had a sister that was born mentally retarded, and that was the term that we used way back then. So nobody get mad at me because I just kind of say that. I knew there was just something a little bit slower about this gentleman. And actually, Don, I saw him pick a weed from the flower bed in front of the uh, subway shop. So I'm kind of watching this and as he comes in. And I was still kind of absorbed in what I was doing. And I was very compassionate relative to the idea that, you know what, this young man and his family have to deal with all this stuff going on right now. And then he came up to the counter, and he was just, like, so absolutely okay with himself. He hands me this weed, and he hands me this weed, and then he did, like, a high five. He said, got an A in Mr. Martin's class. I don't remember the name of the teacher. But he he handed me this weed, and he said, got an A, Mr. Martin's class. And he did, like, the high five thing. And I'll never forget... I high-fived him after I grabbed his weed, and it was almost something magical. Everything, all the pressure, all the worries, all the whatever I was in, instantly went away. It was just, and he's oblivious to this whole thing that he just did for me. This life-changing event, if you will, how you can instantly on a dime have your life change positively or negatively if you let it. And I can tell you, I can look right over here. On, I save these little things, so my, my office looks a little bit like a junkyard every once in a while because I save my memories, but I have that little weed flower saved in some plastic, and anybody cleaning my office would throw it away in an instant, but all I have to do is look at that very old, very now little piece of flower that's almost gone, but I could just remember that I could change my utopia in a heartbeat anytime I choose to. And many times I've had to relative to all the things that people go through relative to running a business and having a life. So, again, I think that's the part of the cool thing about the crayon exercise, about my little weed example and the high five from somebody um, who did not know that he changed my life instantly at that point. 
uh, in time. And I think that's what we all kind of search for. And we need that levels of perspective. And I think that's really about <clears throat> as personal as it ever gets when it comes to whatever your definition of happiness might be. So, that is brilliant. What a brilliant trigger, you know. Um, I have a brilliant trigger that uh, is less poignant, um, but it, very, very powerful to me that I received. Um, it was it was during a class that I took, and they they actually wanted all of us to remember. And um, I can say the word shit, right, because we're internet radio. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's very important that I do. It's part of this. <laughs> so so um, we all get into our shit. You know, that's just the bottom line. And it's it's whatever that might be. And if anybody is, is horribly offended by my use of this word, I, I want you to know that I have um, – there there are sometimes certain words are really, really important to describe something, and this is one of them. And, and being in your shit is something that is um, widely used by the people that I that I did these, these classes with. And and so what they did was they went out because it's on this huge, huge farm estate, and they picked up cow patties. And they actually dried out the cow patties, and they spray-painted them with gold paint. <laughs> now, okay, so not everybody grew up on a farm, and not everybody really understands what you mean by a it's cow, cow patty. Shit. It's All cow right. shit, and it's, it's round, and they, it's like a little pancake or patty of cow shit. So... <laughs> <laughs> because when we're in our shit, it doesn't matter how we paint it or make it pretty, it's still shit, right? Yep. <laughs> and it could be that we have our egos in the way and our egos are in the game and you know, we're, we're you know, we need to be authentic and humble at that moment. It could be that you know, if you've ever listened to Zig Ziglar's Who Kicked Your Cat, this particular piece that he had ever done, it, that that thing, that one recorded audio tape that I heard when I was in Amway a million years ago changed my life. And, you know, it's always whatever is that I'm doing that's getting in my way. 99.9% of the time, it's it's always sourced in my thinking. And it's it's always one of those situations where I'm responsible for how I'm feeling right now. I mean, you know, there are a lot of things that happen to me in my life, and I say happen to me loosely. Because they're always they're always something I created somehow. Okay, if I'm on a telephone with somebody and they say something nasty to me, I chose to pick up the telephone and call that person. Okay, if I choose to be responsible for my life, I also then choose the power to create and change everything about my life. And so if I want my life to be by my design, I get to be responsible for what it is now. And as long as I'm responsible for what it is now, I am also then responsible for what it is the next 10 minutes and tomorrow and the day after that. So there are victim situations. There are things that happen every day that are of my own doing that happen in my life. Um, However, this particular piece of cow shit <laughs> on my wall spray painted in gold and you saved uh it? You yeah, well saved I didn't it? just save it. It's 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 beautifully plaqued with the William Penn Patrick Ranch brand on wood with a gold a gold plate saying when I got it and what it is and it is my trigger so that whenever I'm in my shit and my eyes always go to it, Peter, it's like if I'm in my shit about something 
I always find the plaque, and I remember, you're just in your shit right now, Dawn. And the the next place that my eyes go is to whatever my dream, my dream map, my vision board would be. So, you know, I actually have really amazing triggers in my office and make sure that I keep visual triggers, and that's what this is about. When we're talking about this weed, we're talking about my William Penn Patrick gold-plated cow patty, (laughs) whatever it might be, you know, whether it's a poignant and sweet bit of, of, of trigger that tells you, you know what, you can do this, or one that's a big, bright, gold-painted cow pie that's saying, you know what, if you get out of your shit, maybe you can have your dreams, or you know what, you're in your own way right now. Whatever those triggers are, and those the, the, the mind is so powerful that if we just keep them in front of us all the time, make place for them, surround ourselves with them, then, you know, when the obstacles get really big, the dreams will be louder and the triggers will be louder and those nudges, those those really important whys, why we're doing it, why we're working instead of relaxing, you know, will be out in front of us each and every single day. Now, if I can add... I know when you um, – everybody's got their own style, right? So everybody has their own style and they like to do things, and I respect style. So I love to ask people, okay, Don, that's your word when you use the cow patty stuff. And, and then I always say to maybe the people that are listening in, what's yours? What is your word that you call it when you are experiencing what Don calls the poop stage? <laughs> being in one's right, being in one's whatever. It's a funk. It's a poop. It's a whatever you want to call it. And as goofy as it sounds, I hate to say it. Well, I love to say it, but the it's yours. It's personal. Most people would probably have no clue and see no value. I'll, I'll use as like my little weed. Anybody in my office would absolutely positively throw this out. Dawn, it's it's years old. I mean, it's <laughs> years old. I came back from Subway, and I pressed it in two pieces of plastic, and I squished it the best way I possibly could. It's old. Mm-hmm. Your cow patty plaque. It's whatever it looks like, and I guarantee you, <laughs> it would probably, it would probably, at Right, if in your when you do a garage sale, like if they do an estate sale after we're gone, right, mm-hmm. and they see the cow patty plaque, somebody's going to joke about it and buy it for a friend as a practical joke for mm-hmm. two dollars, right? I paid one hundred and twenty-five dollars for that cow poop. You are <laughs> nuttier than that cow poo would be if it were. But I got to tell you, Peter, I have never ever had something so valuable to me because. I'm, and I'm taking a picture and I'm putting it on the blog. I'm doing it right now. Um, it is truly one of the most valuable things that I have in my office, and it has done it has done tremendous, tremendous things for me. You know, um, I, I am a very passionate person. I know that this is a shock to you, but when I <laughs> and Peter knows because he's pulled me off the ledge. Oh, oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, and you know, I am a, a very very charged emotional person, you know. It's my New York Italian heritage, and 
and uh, and just a whole lot of energy for life. I'm very passionate about life and living it. And, you know, when it comes right down to it, when I feel something, I feel it, and I really feel it. And it takes some doing for me to subdue how I feel, okay, because I feel, and I feel 150% of everything. Um, I've been told that I'm an empath and that, I have a gift and I feel other people's feelings and I and and when you feel as much as I do you know it it requires sometimes a nudge and a tap on the shoulder to say you know hey you know and I have good friends and mentors and partners in my life who say you know what maybe maybe you're feeling a little too much on this one or you know hey maybe this or that so I also have taken very strong responsibility in my life to go you know what this this is a very important thing for me, you know. Maybe, you know, when you're like Peter, Peter's so even, it's like, thank God he's my partner because, you know, we balance each other. Uh, <laughs> he's so even all the time. But for somebody like me, I have to make sure that I have things reminding me to go ahead and just, you know, eight, eight, don't don't get all, and at my 30s, I was angry. I mean, did you never go through a period in your life where you were a little more irritated, irritable and angry in your life than you I, are now, Pete? Yeah, well, I guess I have a, a halfway decent way of controlling it. So mm-hmm. I think it's it could happen, but a lot of people just kind of don't see it. And then I've learned something a long time ago from the stuff that I used to do, that my attitude determines my success as opposed to my level of success determine my attitude. Mm-hmm. So, so a long time ago, see, when you're in the sales and the sales management profession, and when you've been mismanaged as many times as I think I have been mismanaged, not to be the victim, but there have been a lot of really crappy things that have happened relative to managing me that have all added to the contribution of why I became stronger at what I did. Mm-hmm. So I was able to take a lot of stuff, and then decide whether it was, you know, to just kind of manage that. So the stuff that happens to me because of the lives of all the different types of people that worked on, I've learned perspective and I've learned a whole bunch of stuff. So, But, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that has to be managed and maintained. And I always say to myself playfully, whenever that little governor, like in my brain, whenever that little governor goes off, the governor. decide that that's it. I'm going to jump off that bridge. So I, I walk you off of it all the time. I know where the spot is. I'm yep. going to just jump off yep. when, whenever yep. I just can't control it anymore because it's really kind of tough. Now, here's, Absolutely. Here's and, and so anyways, that $125 10 years ago has paid for itself in in contracts and business negotiations and in all sorts of times where – I'm dealing with somebody that's not so simple to deal with. And, I mean, my favorite aunt, I know that she used to have a manager that was just horrible to her. I mean, I never went to work with her. She's in hospital billing, and she's one of my heroes, that she has done such an amazing job, and she's in management, and she's been doing it a really long time, and she's extremely good at what she does. And I remember her having a boss that was just really, really I mean, it made her sick when she would talk about it. She was so stressed by work. And, you know, I've watched people have to deal with that in my life. I, thank God, have been in my own business. And, you know, I worked for someone, but, like, I telecommuted. So, like, I was home and working my own thing, you know. So I've I've always had my own thing. And there are people who go to work every day and work for people they just can't stand or that are just abusive to them, 
you know, and I look at it and that $125 plaque saved me a lot in relationships and in the ability to go ahead and have something remind me of where I was right then. Because when I look at it any other day, I giggle or any other moment, you know, or I just, I don't even notice it a lot. It's been on my wall for 15 years, 10, 10 or 15 years. But boy, if I am in my stuff and I look up at it, it speaks volumes to me. It speaks volumes to me. So it, it might not be that for for everybody, but whatever your thing that, that's, that's holding you back in life for that thing that sometimes you know that you just kind of get down and you kind of forget about what you're doing, maybe you need a weed. Go outside, or maybe there aren't any right now, um, depending on where you live. That's but, right. You know, it could be you can go and, and, and pick up a dried flower or a dried weed that's, that's or a silk one at the local at the local garden center. Um, if you need something that nudges you to remember what Peter's little nudge was, then do that. If you need something that is going to remind you um, of, you know, what, whenever I get into my stuff, I end up doing this and that, then, then you can go in that direction. But these little triggers are worth their weight in gold. Well, actually, yeah. if it's a weed, a lot, a lot more than it's weighing gold. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the fun thing about this, Dawn, is I guess the quest is, it's a personal decision. Mm-hmm. Your definition of success, happiness, anything, whatever it might be, is unique to you. It's like that fingerprint. A coach can't give it to you. Uh, 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 nothing else can give it to you. It's really your own definition. I think you probably spend a pretty good portion of your lifetime trying to figure out what it is that makes you happy. And things change as well, especially over time. And for me, so I don't want to sound selfish, and I know for you, and you don't want to sound selfish, but these little things seem to be the little things that we do to have a tendency of keeping us on track. And the goal for this call would be what are we collectively, Dawn, Peter, and anyone else listening in, to make this year's trigger, what is it that we're going to be talking about 10 years from now that's going to be sitting on your wall or sandwiched between two pieces of plastic for you that we're doing right now to be those triggers that we'll use in the future? Because I don't want to be a has-been, Dawn. I'll use as an example. When you walk into my home, there's a grandfather clock. It's a Howard Miller grandfather clock that I won in my very second full month selling vacuums with a company called Electrolux. And part of my presentation was I had 50 sales that month to win that clock. And I worked my tail off to win that clock, and I didn't have a home. I was living, I think, when I first, yeah, I was living with my parents. I didn't have a place for it. But I always loved the chimes of a grandfather clock. And I told myself I'm willing to sacrifice everything that I have so I can win that clock as a result of the contest. And you know what happened for me is I hit the contest. Lots of other things started to happen as well. But I still have that grandfather clock. And I have that chime turned up. And it may not be the most expensive grandfather clock. And it may not 100% fit in the decor of my home. But when I walk in, I see the grandfather clock. When I walk out, I see the grandfather clock. And that's what makes me happy without being selfish. It's just a little personal thing for me. And I need those all the time. Mm -hmm. I need them constantly around me. 
So I love the ocean. So I always have a shell somewhere. Always have a shell somewhere. Um, I like smiley faces because I remember the smiley faces. So like I said, you should see my office. I got like little <laughs> shells over here. And in my truck, I got a little shell. And for Christmas, we always get a real Christmas tree. I, I remember the guys shaving off the bottom inch of the Christmas tree when they're live so they can kind of last longer. Mm-hmm. I have every single one of those. Wow. And every single one of those. And somebody you can make might them think into coasters. I could. And you know what? One of them actually saved my life. Wow. Kind of. I'll never just a short story like how these things happen. <laughs> First of all, I love the pine smell. So anybody who's ever cut a Christmas tree knows what I'm talking about. But I would keep one in my car because again, I like the triggers. I always remembered the triggers of Christmas. I love Christmas time. Especially when we have the kids and now we have the grandbaby. I needed on, um, you know, this is a short story, but I needed one time to get on a flight, and the jack that I had in my little Jeep was about two inches too short to lift my car up. And you know what was in my car? (laughs) Two of those little slices of my little Christmas tree. And literally I was on 95 on the side of the road, 18-wheel trucks, literally, uh, sweeping six inches away from my body as I was changing this flat to get to this uh, to this meeting that I just had to get to in the middle of the night, a very stark, spooky thing. So again, the, I just now that was maybe a little bit coincidental or just a little bit weird or divine intervention or who the heck knows. But I needed those. I always like to have those little things hanging around because there's lots of things that happen during the course of any given day, and I know if I live a long time. I'm going to have good things happen to me. I'm going to have tragic things happen to me as well. If you live a life, that's what's going to happen. You're going to experience mm-hmm. those things. And not every day is going to be a great day. And this whole utopia speech really sucks, like when my dad was dying and I was dealing with all that sort of stuff. But those things don't always happen, and he's in a better place. And all of those things, as you kind of work on walking through whatever you have to walk through. But on a regular basis, I need that. So whatever your version of utopia might be, I think it really does need to be a personal decision and give yourself permission to have it be that personal decision. It doesn't have to be anything big. could be whatever size you want it to be and bringing this kind of full circle back to that game that we were playing with my brother's kids. It's you got to play big time. It's a state of mind. You decide but if you ask me for my version of utopia, there it is. So I have my own definition. doesn't have to be a super big house. doesn't have to be a fast sports car. doesn't have to be, you know, three chicks on every arm. It doesn't need that to me. That's just kind of my version of whatever, whatever my version of happiness might be. So for me, if you ask me what's the sweetest sound in the world, it's that little kid as she just wakes up running across, the, running across you know, trying to find me and say, Grandpa, that's like that is like the sweetest sound I could ever hear at this point. And it wasn't always that way because she wasn't around. It was something else before then. And what I'm always doing, Dawn, is I'm, uh, since I've learned what, what motivates me is to share with other people because once they see that, once they get that, once they can keep on more frequently, then they can do better for themselves and lots of other people as well. So I am an emotional trigger fanatic. So if we were working together, 
I would dig and I would crawl and I would unearth and I would do everything that gets you to feel the way that does. And then we constantly make sure that we can recreate them because that's what it's all about. If you don't recreate them, I heard an expression a long time ago relative to negative thinking um, from one of my mentors. He said, Peter, you know, negative thinking is kind of like a weird thing. It's kind of like carbon monoxide. And I said, why, you know, I, I, I kind of get it, kind of, but can you explain it to me? And he said, carbon monoxide is one of those really deadly gases. You don't smell it, you don't see it, you don't taste it, but then all of a sudden it kind of gets you. And negative thinking or outside influences have a tendency of creeping in unless you do something to make sure you counterbalance that. So it's the yin and the yang, it's the evil versus the good, it's whatever you want to call it. But, Dawn, I know that for me, I'm kind of always exposed, a little bit empathic like you had mentioned. I can kind of suck in and absorb a lot of things. I have the ability to laser beam focus on anything, even in between commercials, like that type of (laughs) OCD attention span. Mm -hmm. And I need these things for the everyday reminders. And the fun thing is, thank goodness for me, they don't have to be super expensive. So they don't have to be Rolls Royces, and they don't have to be, you know, Lamborghinis, and they don't have to be, you know, $28,000, you know, Rolex watches. That's not where I get my triggers. My trigger could be on a seashell or a weed, or I'm a cheap date, or it could be a (laughs) smiley face at the dollar store, or I, I can sincerely say that it might be the sparkle in someone's eye. You know, that was it for me at Walmart. I was there, and there was a gal in front of me, and she looked like she was just as preoccupied as I was, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it could be just simple. And she had just nice eyes. Just nice. I didn't say anything. It wasn't like I was going to be a creeper or anything. But I just <laughs> said, wow. You know, because I've learned, you know, you say nice things to people, and sometimes they look at you like, you're a creep, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, that was it. It was a sparkle in an eye. And when I was at the uh, the money center over at Walmart doing some transitions for some people, it was a little gal that was standing next to the mom. It was just something like that. I just really appreciate relative to perspective because I've had it every other way. Mm-hmm. And if you have the perspective and and you have something else compare it to, you really just kind of say, you know what, I'm having a great day. I'm mm-hmm. having a great day because I've had it any other way. Absolutely. So, you know, I have I have found that in my life as well, Peter, it doesn't – like. I could be going through some of the biggest challenges of my life and look around and say, but I've never been happier, okay? Besides this thing here, if this thing here didn't exist, bliss would be coming out of my ears, to me, is is a pretty huge statement to make. You know, like I've looked around, I am so in love with my family, um, and I know you know that about me, oh, yeah. I just... I am completely and totally head over heels in love with my family, my I've husband, seen, my kids. I've seen the mama bear claws come out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, I traveled for two years. <clears throat> and for anybody who knows what it is to, like, get up and leave your family for two years, I mean, I'm talking, like, I packed up everything. Alex and I, we said, okay, and we didn't plan 21 months, but the kids were with their dad and everybody was doing what they were doing. and. And uh, we said we wanted to go on an adventure. And so the kids were with their dad. John was with my dad. And we embarked on an adventure. And, I I mean, I put everything into storage. I sold, sewed, or sold, sewed, or stored is what I did. 
Um, some things I gave away, some things I sold, the rest of it I put into storage, and I decided, okay, I want to reinvent my life. I want to see what's out there in the rest of the world. I want to create something completely and radically different, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know who I am, and that's where I was in 2007. In 2007, I looked around, and I said, I love my children. I'm not so crazy about me. I don't know what I want to do. I can't find my passion. So if if you're hearing this, you know, we all end up there. I I don't know anyone who has, I mean, maybe maybe there's somebody out there who's just whistling zippity-doo-dah all day, but uh, that's not my world. My world, in my 30s, I really, really struggled. I struggled with a lot of things and with who I was and what I truly wanted, what made me tick, what made me happy. And it was like all the external things couldn't make me happy because nothing can make me happy. It's not like this forced thing. (laughs) You know, Peter can't make me happy. He's not responsible for my happiness, okay? He can't be in a good mood or a bad mood. It has nothing to do with whether or not or how I react to it. So what was going on in my life was not what was relevant. It was me. What was going inside of me was was relevant. And what was going on for me wasn't a good, happy thing. It, w- it was a positive wisdom shadow walk, but it was not at the time a happy, happy place to be gone. And so when I made the decision to take the trip, it was a big decision. I mean, I don't know how many of you in your 30s look around and, you know, say, okay, you know what, I want the kids to go live with their dad for the next, let's just say, six months, and I'm going to pack up everything I own, get rid of it, just whatever, somebody's going to watch the dogs, I'm going to throw on a backpack and go find myself. But I did. (laughs) And it was the most incredibly powerful experience of my life. And what happened on that journey was I began, or I, I don't know if I just began, but I totally found 150% of my gratitude. I found my gratitude for my children for my life, for every moment I spend with my children and my family and my dad and me. I mean, just my dogs. Like, I mean, I love to travel. It's my favorite thing to do. If I never took another trip, I would be devastated. But, okay, all that being said, like I had spent my whole life just having my family and having these things around me and being at home, and I was always wanting to go do something else than where I was. It was always the dream of going and traveling the world and going and and seeing other things. I was never content where I was, no matter where I was, no matter how beautiful it was, no matter how long I was there, I was always looking at where I was going to be next, okay? And somebody a long time ago said to me, you know, the funny thing about moving and bouncing around a lot You know, no matter where you go or how fast you run, you always end up there. I couldn't run away from me. And I wasn't necessarily trying to run away from anything, but I was just never happy with the things that were right in front of me. It was like I had this 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 preconceived notion that like I hadn't arrived so therefore I couldn't be content and satisfied ever. (laughs) And now I have this complete zen about where I am, wherever I am. 
And and I found that in the third world. I think I found that with the ability to go ahead and just be still. You know, I learned a lot about this in a Buddhist monastery with a bunch of Tibetan monks. You know, I'm not Tibetan, I'm not Buddhist, and I'm not a monk, but there I was. <laughs> and, um, you know, the journey brought me to interesting places, and, and the one thing it gave me was the gift of truly being grateful and uh, and and just, like, embracing the now and embracing everything that was was within my life at that moment and um and the sheer bliss of gratitude has been has been how i found my utopia you know i absolutely believe in building the next vision map and putting myself in okay i want to see this country or be on the top of that mountain or want to do this or want to own that whatever those things might be for every single person out there um and you know i can say that you know, I I went after all that stuff and I got all those things and I went all those places and really my work was finding that utopia at home, you know, and actually being able to go ahead and truly, truly value and cherish the moments of, of just being right where I was. So, I don't know, that just came up for me, so I decided I to... Right. And, and as, a, as a warning, like for everyone else that's listening... Don't do this. <laughs> you know, don't try this at home. I, when I say <laughs> that, I, I say that playfully. But remember that dawn has two settings: off and full throttle. <laughs> so if you're if you're that kind of a person where you have two settings, like off and full throttle, and and it's usually stuck on on, so there's no off. Then, then those kinds of extreme things, because I could just imagine, Don, like, for instance, like me, like I could, when I say I could never, that, that wouldn't be the quest that I would possibly have. So for all those people that aren't thinking about right now, figure they're online searching for backpacks and, like, looking old 60 pounds and where the heck is Tibet? Where, where is Tibet? Oh, and honey, just hold the kids for a little bit. You know, I'll be right back. <laughs> well, you know, Peter, it's it's a real challenge. It's a scary, challenging place. Absolutely. And it was scary and challenging for me, too, you know. Yeah. But there is an amazing gift that came from, okay, what's really important to you because you have to carry it. And actually figuring out, you know, the eight things that um, – because – like I, I went through some really interesting exercises in literally selling sewing and storing everything I own and downsizing at 40 years old into a backpack and living in that kind of minimalism as a, as a networker, as a living the dream for the past 20, 25 years, always going after the goal and, and the money and the big house and the big car and the this and the that, um, it was a really radically different part of the process for me, and um, you know, now, and, and to be quite honest with you, I couldn't enjoy all of the stuff even when I created all of it without because I, I couldn't really ever just be in that awesome space of grateful and happy with what I had. Now, once I didn't need any of it anymore. It was able to be given to me and able to be appreciated, and, and it flows through me, and I'm not attached to any of it, and now it's like I can breathe, you know? So, I mean, there are a lot of people out there I know, because I know some of them, that, you know, are constantly pushing and constantly striving to do more and more, bigger, bigger, you know, bigger house, bigger salary, bigger whatever it might be, 
and they always want more, and they're never, ever satisfied, ever. Now, I'm a big believer in, you know, if you're not growing, you're decaying. (laughs) But there is something really, really important about this particular piece and, um, and, and finding that zen and that place where we can be happy and content. Whether I, you have to throw everything into a backpack or not, I don't know. I did. Right. And I think part of the benefit of working with a number of people is you get the chance to see a whole bunch of stuff, which is one of the reasons why I really like the industry that we pick relative to home-based businesses and the types of things that we do is we get really exposed to lots of extremes, the the challenges and the successes, and we have the perspective to be able to see. So for those people that are listening in, Start that journey. The homework assignment would be, you know, whether it's the crayons and the poster board, to start to open up your mind to the possibility, whether it's the perspective or uh, looking for your plaque on your wall or to create the next one. I think that's probably the best thing you can do. How can you create the next one? Where's the next memory that 10 years from now you're going to say, there's that thing on my wall or that thing over here or that thing that I throw in the back of my truck wherever I find one or where is it and how do I help as many people do the same thing? Because it's kind of tough out there, Don. You know, left to your own devices, you read the newspaper, you see what's going on with the world. Um, We've had so far, you know, the, the first half of the lost decade relative to the recession don't necessarily know if things are going to get better on their own, but we create our own environment without being delusional. So the reality is is that we get a chance to create it, but there's probably, and I don't know if this is my perception or not, but it seems like there's never been a time where people had to actively work on creating it. Sometimes it just happened. It might have been maybe the, the pattern that I was in or the place that I was in in my life. I don't know. But it just seems to be that unless you create it, it just doesn't happen automatically. Like for the like the kid who can eat everything and never gain any weight, they find themselves in that portion of their life. But I think just the world the way it is right now, is it at least for people like me, if I don't create it, it will not happen. And I think that's the way it is for a lot of people, especially in tougher economic times. So back to you. <laughs> I completely. Whoops, you're fading on us. I'm fading? Okay. Yep. Then you talk for a minute because the dogs were going crazy and I had to actually run outside no to get away from them. Okay. So let's just kind of share. <laughs> let's kind of share with you. Dogs have their own mind, right? So they do whatever <laughs> they do. And per- part of the perspective is realizing, you know what, on a Monday night. I could share with you where I was when I was in corporate America. I wasn't at home chasing my the equivalent of my dust broom with four legs anywhere. I was always on a flight. By now at this time, I'm probably still in the air somewhere, traveling to a stranger's office or traveling somewhere else, certainly away from my family, not on the floor with the Crayola crayons or the poster board, or chasing those little lops of opses up and down and all over the place, or cleaning up after their messes. And I can share with you, I would rather nev- I would rather be where you are right now than any other place relative to where I was when I was working for someone else. Me so even, too. Even, so, <laughs> so I love I love that. 
So when when people are working home-based businesses and they say, hold on one second, you know, I got to take care of the kids, or hold on one second, there's someone at the door, or hold on one second, I got to chase the dogs out of the way, or hold on, somebody's coming home and the dogs are going bazonkers, and it sounds like you're at a kennel, not necessarily like you're at an office. That's my level of utopia. Mm-hmm. Be where we want where we want to be, and it's my own decision. Now, maybe a Donald Trump, on the other hand, might say, "I want to be up on the top floor of the of my own building, surrounded with my all my own stuff." And I'd say, "Great, you found your level of utopia, and if that's what really makes you happy, that's what really makes you happy." And I am at peace with that, with no judgment. I'll cheer someone on every step of the way. What is it that makes you? pumped up and excited and as long as you're not imposing something on somebody else if it's for you and all the things that you want to create on your own go for it just go for it it's there and who puts the blinders on usually other than you so it's um i'm I'm going to turn this back to you and i'll let you wrap this one up okay as long as as long as you can you hear me okay we can hear you fine all right good all right. So yeah, I'm hiding in the basement now. Yes. So and and wait till my son and Aaron here because I just realized how messy it is down here. Right. <laughs> See, I have to go and visit these sections of the house more often, but um, you know, you know, it's a man cave. Do you have a man cave? Cuz I could tell you this is very utopia. Yeah, that's it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep, the man cave. Sometimes I come in and then I just walk right back out. <laughs> it's yeah. important to the process. If it needs, a, if, it needs if, if a shovel will help it get cleaner, then you know you're in a man cave. Right, and when I when I start looking, going, where are all the glasses? I mm-hmm. I always know the answer. <laughs> right. So so yeah, so guys, this series this week is is all about owning, is creating your own utopia, and you know we do have some cool tools. So. I'm really serious. I'm going to give you some homework this week because I think these are really important pieces of this. And tomorrow I'm going to tell everybody about a book that I just repurchased that is one of my favorites for this particular part of the process, figuring out what you want. Because, you know, and, and please, what I want is for everybody who hears this to please go ahead and click follow on the radio show because we're going to have a bunch of cool stuff coming up. Um, it'll always remind you when we're going to be going live, and I'm supposed to. It even tells me in my Blog Talk Radio University that I'm supposed to tell you to go ahead and click follow, so I'm just remembering and being a good student. But um, we're, we're about to go ahead and do some really cool stuff, and we're, we're really working on building our subscriber base for the show. And uh, so that would really help us out. And if you would go ahead and invite your friends to go ahead and listen in and to also click that follow button, it would really help us out and it would be a real blessing to us as well. So if you're enjoying our content, that would really help us. So all that being said, tonight's homework, please, within the next 24 hours, grab yourself some crayons. They don't have to be Crayola, but of course you're going to remember why Crayola is so much better. And go ahead and get yourself a nice big piece of poster board, and put four goals in front of yourself. Four goals for the next 90 days. What are they? They could be, and, and, and here that's how to break them out is, we're, and I'm going to get into this tomorrow, okay, on, um, on, on categorizing these different types of goals. So we're going to get into that tomorrow. But enjoy yourself with some crayons and some poster board and just get with your inner child and do a little bit of creating your own utopia tonight. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We so appreciate you. And we'll see you tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern on The Dash. Catch you later.
Bye.